Today's February the 9th, 2014. Tomorrow is our 14th anniversary, me and my wife, and also my birthday. <laughs> Amen. If you would, turn with me to 1 John 5, 4, and we'll open. We should pray. Father, Father, we ask, Lord God, as we open your word, Lord, Father, that is not just words on a page, Lord God, but it is living and breathing and has our, has our lifeblood in it, Lord God. Father, that your words, Lord God, that saturate our heart today, Lord, we pray that your spirit come, Lord God, Father, and water them, Lord. Father, all we need is you. When it comes down to it, there is no eloquent words that can explain you. There is no explanation for you. Father, there simply is a manifestation of a life change, and that is us. Father, we love you for that. And we want to give you all the glory and the honor and praise today. Father, your scripture shows us today, Lord God, that there is completeness of joy that is for us because of what you've done. And Father, we want to see it with our eyes. We want to experience it with our heart, Lord. We want to praise you with our emotions, Lord God, and everything that we are. So, Father, we ask, Lord God, that your rhema come to us, Lord God. Father, that, that your hidden truth, Lord God, that may be hidden to us, Lord God. Father, be made known fully to us by the blood of Jesus. Amen. First John 5, 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So what has overcome the world? Our faith. You can keep it there, Susan. And what I want to expound on today that the Lord showed me was no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what's going on around you, it's your faith in that circumstance that can deliver you from yourself, that can deliver you from what you are. I'm talking about having joy in the midst of trouble. I'm talking about having joy and an overcoming power in the midst of struggle and things that may come against you. Although you may have enemies creeping in on every side, the Lord has placed you there firmly for an opportunity to serve him in the trial. Our message today is fugitive or free man. A fugitive is a man that may be running from the law. He may be in a free land, but not necessarily a free man. When a man's in a free land and living as free, he's not free indeed. And I want to ask you today as a church body, lost or unlost, wherever we sit today, where are you? Are you a free man in a free land or are you a fugitive in a free land? And we're going to clarify that today. I believe the scripture points that out to us. And what it does is show you where you're at in who you are, in who you are with, where you're at in Jesus. I believe your position in Christ holds the key. I believe you knowing the position in Christ holds the key to your overcoming joy, your completeness of joy, a victory of sorts while on this in this world. Amen. Amen. We know. We know that our faith 
has us hold on to the end and in eternity, we'll spend eternity with the Father. But what about today? What about today? Is there freedom for today? Our spirit says yes, but our flesh tries to tell us no. But the spirit is the truth. Jesus is the truth, and he's trying to say something to us. He wants to truly liberate us. Amen? Turn with me to Romans 6, 4, please. In Romans 6, 4, it says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer live as slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if I if we die with Christ, we believe we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death has no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to who? To God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Mm. I mean, that's a mouthful. Count yourself dead. Account yourself dead. Count the costs. They used to say reckon yourself dead. You understand what this means? This means that you don't just die daily, but you died 2,000 years ago. You were crucified 2,000 years ago on a cross with a Messiah, buried in a grave, and to be resurrected and glorify God today. So my questions to you, I asked you, were you a free man or were you a fugitive? Are you living free in Christ or have you run off and not got your emancipation papers? Are you trying to run the glory without being set apart for him? In Genesis 3, There's a question that was posed to Adam. Adam and Eve fall into separation from God, fall into sin from the presence, separated from the presence of God. And as God comes walking through the garden, which he had did before previously with no problem, something was different. And as he comes, he asks Adam, Adam, where are you? as though he didn't know. Where are you, Adam? He was posing a question to Adam. Not necessarily where are you behind a tree hiding because you're naked, but where are you? And that's a question that goes from generation 
to generation to our present day. Jesus, God is still asking us, where are you? Are you a free man? Are you a fugitive? John 5, 19 clarifies some things for us. Turn there with me. I'm running you through a few scriptures because I want you to know something. I don't want to give you a man's thoughts. I just simply want to give you the word because I believe the word is enough. And if you have an argument, you don't have it with me. You have it with the word. Jesus gave him this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. Jesus said there was a time coming, meaning there was a time previous where the voice of the Son of God may not have been heard, but the time had come. And we look back on that time. The time had come where the voice of the Son of God would be spoken. And the dead would hear it and live. Now, are we living or are we dead men? Where are we? See, that's the question. And I believe the scripture gives us an answer. And the answer is liberation. The answer gives us life. To honor the son. The scripture declares is to honor his name, his function, his reputation. You follow me? But how can we honor him? Really? A great king. We, we understand we honor him with our lives, right? But do we really understand what honor is and how to rightly do that? Turn with me to John 15. John 15, 1. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Hmm. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Look at 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a fruit. I'm not only a fruit, and God didn't call me just to be a fruit, but he called me to bear fruit. Say fruit. fruit. Much, fruit Much fruit and more fruit. <laughs> this is the plan of God. And this, and only this, gives the glory to the Father. Here's a point. Why? Somewhere, can you create a desire in you? Can you create a desire in you? No. But see, God has given us incentive. Because we're carnal at nature, we're natural at nature, we need an incentive to birth a desire towards God. Romans 5 tells us this. Why? Honor. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Justified. You stand justified by the blood of Jesus. That sounds good, right? Yeah. We rejoice, we rejoice over and over and over again for the blood of Jesus. But do we understand what the blood of Jesus is about? Let me read you a story. Several years ago, in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada, George and Vera Bajinski, lives were changed forever. February 16, 1989, a very normal Thursday morning. The phone rang at 9.15. There's been an accident. It involved their son, Ben. As they approached the intersection of Adele and Simcoe Street near the high school where the son had attended, they could see the flashing lights of the police car in the ambulance unit. Vera noticed the photograph and followed the direction of his camera lens to the largest pool of blood she had ever seen. All she could say was, George, George, Ben went home. He went home to be with his heavenly father. Her first reaction was to jump out, to jump out of the car and somehow collect the blood and put it back into her son. That blood for me at that moment became the most precious thing in the world. 
because it was his life. It was life giving blood and it belonged to my son, my only son. The road was dirty and the blood just didn't belong there. George noticed cars were driving right through the intersection, right through the blood. His heart was smitten. He wanted to cover the blood with his coat and cry. You will not drive over the blood of my son. Then Vera understood for the first time in her life, one of God's most precious truths. The life was in the blood. The preciousness of the blood. You see, the blood justifies us. It means it pays for our past sins. It pays for our sins. And therefore, it should give us a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It should it should be the the very driving power in us. To live out the sanctified life. But do we understand being justified? You see, Jesus was not only crucified, but he was crucified, buried and resurrected. And so shall we be. Not only should we be crucified, but we should also be buried. Where are we? Are we standing firmly under the blood, justified? Are we being buried? Are we burying self? Are we putting it away and counting it as dead? Or are we standing in the glory? The glory, not for us, but for him. Because if we look at Jesus... Jesus is perfect example. He came from glory and he went back to glory and he said, give me the glory which I had at first. He didn't come to get more glory. He already had it. Well, why did he come? Come to show us the perfect example. And in doing so, he he defeated Satan in in the enemy. We understand that he did these things. But if we're to follow God, we must walk as Jesus did. Justified, sanctified, and glorified. We died 2,000 years ago on a cross. We were in Christ when he died. When he paid for our sins. And if we reckon ourselves dead, then who lives in us? Yeah, that means... When God found us, we were dead men and we needed new life in us. And the only way the father gets glory through us is by the new life. We fall in love with the struggle. But glorification to God is when we struggle and we win. Where are you, Adam? Are you justified? You see, most of the church world stands under this. We're justified. And so we don't need to do anything else. We can live like the sons of hell because we're justified. But it gives no glory to the Father. I'm justified by the blood and it spurs me on. It compels me to do the Father's will because I love the fact that he justified me. But let me ask you something. Is justification progressive in nature? 
He said, it is finished, justified, accept it or not. And many of us in here have accepted it and are justified and find the new life in us. And some of us have not done that. But what justification does is trigger us into something called sanctification or being set apart into right function, being set apart into a proper way of righteousness in order to glorify God. But there's something more. And here's really what I want to I want to drive home today. Where is the victory? Is the victory in us being sanctified or is the victory our faith and things unseen? This is the victory to overcome the world, even our faith. When we stand in the midst of trial, when everything around us is molding us, do we say, nevertheless, God? When everything around me is molding me and making me into his image. Do we love it? Do we fall in love with the fact that we're being sanctified? You see, if you have a right understanding of the precious price that was paid for you, then you fall in love with the fact that it is worth it because he is worth it. And then we come to glorify God when we fall in love with being sanctified. February is Black History Month. And I love to honor this because of the fact that there was a wicked wave of slavery that came through the states. Quoted here many times was Harriet Tubman. They called her Moses. Why? Because even though she had escaped slavery, she went back into slavery in order to free others. It's no different than us believers in Jesus. This is what we do. This is who we are because this is what he done and that's who he is. In sanctification, we can be free or we can be fugitives. In this place in your walk, you can be truly made free by falling in love with the fact that God is dealing with you and making you into his image. Or we cannot and we see it. Why? Why, Lord? Why is this happening to me? Why is this struggle, this struggle, that struggle? Oh, and I know what we're supposed to do is just struggle, 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 struggle. No, you're supposed to struggle and win. And when you struggle and win, Brad said it the other night. When we win, he wins. When we win, he wins. When you fight, I believe the heavens applaud. But when you fight and win, I believe they erupt. Because we just did something. We just became the rehearsal. We just became the rehearsal. We just rehearsed what God is, what he's done for us, and what he's doing. We just glorified the Father. And this is not just a lifelong process, but a daily one. 
As you grow into maturity, you do this repetitively, day in and day out, and you love it. You love it. Why? Because it gives glory to the Father. You see what this does? This eliminates, totally eliminates man-centered gospels and puts God at the center of the gospel. Glorification is not for you while you're on this planet. It's for him. You get to receive in it. You benefit from it now and for eternity. But the glory belongs to him. Revelation 5, 6. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a heart and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe, language and people and nation. You have made them to be kingdom to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000s times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, and strength and honor and glory and praise, honor, glory, and praise. What if it's your mind, your will, and your emotion? What about if with your mind you give him honor? Because it starts there, doesn't it? You reckon yourself justified. And with your will, you give him glory. With everything that you do. No more words, but in your action, it gives glory to God. And with your emotions, you give him praise. You see, no, this casts down depression. It casts down all these things. Because in its place, you praise God because you're justified. And you're, you glorify him because of the fact that you're justified while being sanctified. But what happens? What happens? We get justified. We get justified, and in our zeal for the house of God, we run out and we leave our cross behind. We pick up a corpse instead of a cross. But the cross, his yoke was easy. His burden was light. And the cross of remembrance that's on your back, you forgot but you don't carry it with you. And so when you toil in depression and struggle, why me, why that? And in an instant, it should be, I'm justified by the blood and he's worth it. 
He's so worth it that today I will cast off sin and I will glorify him. And power over temptation comes. And power over these emotions come. No longer did you bring your slave tendencies into a life that's supposed to be free. You understand what happened in the slave movement? A slave master would take a slave. And they said, what we want to do is we want to make them mentally weak, but physically strong. Is that not the devil? And the same thing happens in the church world. We want to make them physically weak, uh, physically strong, mentally weak. Do, do, do. And never know, no, no, where you're at in him. And God wants us to be in love with our position in him instead of the conditions around us. They fade. Watchman Nee said, Yes, I need forgiveness. I have to have forgiveness for my sins, but I have to have deliverance from what I am. I have to have deliverance from what I am. And God did not leave you without the tools to do so. This is what sanctification is, to be set apart unto righteousness. And righteousness protects you by the power of his name. And his name is his function and his body of works. And his name, his body of works, his reputation protects you. This is the life set apart to him. Now, here's what that does. When it really starts to grip you and get into your spirit, man, oh, it starts to bring you alive. Because Jesus said, I sanctify myself so they too may be truly sanctified. So that the completeness of joy that I have now is imparted to them. You see, fullness of joy and the measure of the spirit is found in walking in his ways. Being crucified, but also being dead and buried. It's over with. Reckoned as dead. I died 2,000 years ago. What if I wake up today and I don't have the spirit of God, I don't have the function to move. I don't have the ability to function. I can't move. I can't do anything because I'm dead. So in order to do anything today, I have to have the source of life who is him who paid the price for me. Jesus said, this is the time. A time has come and now is. When the dead will hear my voice and live. But what do we do? We struggle in the valley of decision and don't take on the new life that is meant to give us the fullness of joy. We struggle and we beat down because we hadn't cast off the corpse and picked up his cross, picked up our own. His cross was a a cross of self-suffering. Yeah, his was. Ours is a cross of remembrance, what he's done and is doing in us. Don't get it twisted. It's not your strength. It's not your strength. It's his. It's his. When it's all said and done, you didn't do it. He did it and is doing it in you. You simply lay it down and let him do what he wills in you. 
This is freedom. This is joy. It just gives you life. Is it just me? No. Okay. Fugitive. I want to leave this point because I believe the I believe some in the body of Christ are fugitives and not free men. They're living in a land where God has called you to be free because of what he's done. And we trample his blood instead of walk under it. We trample it by not taking advantage of what he's done because we don't understand what it is to honor the blood that was poured out for us. Let me introduce you to a, a fugitive. His name was Frederick Douglass. In the 1800s, Frederick Douglass was a victim of the wicked movement of American slavery that I told you about. After 20 years of slavery and many attempts to escape, he was successful. Although Frederick Douglass successfully escaped, married, became famous in the slavery abolishment movement, and lived in a free land, he was still considered a fugitive. Douglas was able to travel through the slave-free Europe and speak for this movement. And what happened was he raised the money in order to go back to his master and pay for his real freedom. Because you see this man lived in a free land, but was not a free man. He had to look over his shoulder every day. In the 1850s, there was something called the uh, Fugitive Slave Act. And the Fugitive Slave Act deputized men to go throughout the country and to go into the free land and take the so-called free man. To take the fugitive and bring him back into slavery. Why? Because the man left, but the price was never paid. But you see, this is not it. And this is what we do. Men and women of God see themselves justified and run off to glory, but glory can't receive them. Glory cannot receive you. This is why we must be set apart glory to glory on the way to a free land. We are not fugitives. We've been made free, and we have to know that. It starts in your mind. Matt said it. You have to know. You have to reckon that you are dead. And then you have to honor him with your mind that the blood was so precious that you will spend the rest of your life giving him the due. That is giving him the honor that's due to him. This is what it is to give glory to God. Every slave bears the marks of his master. Who's your master? You see, because Christ took that for you, you don't have to wear those anymore. See, you've been a new creation. Not an old man made better. Not an old woman made better, but a new creation. You don't even have the scars on you anymore because he took those scars for you. He walks around with scars so you don't have to. 
He's the free man. He's the free land. Frederick Douglass went from this back to the, what we had previously shown. And what he said was, I have observed this in my experience of slavery, that whenever my conditions were improved, instead of it increasing my contentment, it only increased my desire to be free and set me to thinking on plans to, regain my, to gain my freedom. I have found to make a contented slave is to make a thoughtless one. He must be made to feel that his struggle of slavery is right. Do we fall in love with the struggle instead of the glory due to God when we win? Do we think that our struggle is right? We must struggle. Look, he said it right here. Same man said this, he said that. Without a struggle, there's no progress. But what are you struggling for? You see, we're done and dead with sin. We don't fight with sin anymore. It's dead. That means when it pops up in your life, you go, wait, that's not Christ in me. It's like a zombie apocalypse. It's trying to come up in me and I'm going to cast it down. You know, get back in the grave. It's dead and done. I already done that. And that's what it is to put every thought in the captivity of Christ. When it tries to raise up, you stomp it down. Amen. It's dead, buried and gone. And this glorifies God. Amen. The power over temptation, the power over raw emotions that's gone wrong is trying to enslave you instead of you enslave them. I love this because these men and women could have chose just to go and be free. But you know it was the spirit of God when they go and risk their life in order to free others. See, this glorifies God. There was many men like this that escaped slavery. And it's a great story. But it's a story of his glory when he went back to rescue others. Are we not that? Are we not an underground railroad? Are we not a house set apart for people who are trying to come out of slavery and into a free land to take them in, to show them what it is to be sanctified in order that they would glorify the Father who is in heaven? Amen. This is us. This is what we do. Turn with me to Psalms 28. Now turn with me to John 17 because I can't skip this. 
John 17, 1. I love this. This is my favorite. This stirs the spirit so much in me because it's one of the most intimate times between the son and the father and how he speaks directly to him. And it so shows me because of the blood of the lamb that we, too, can speak to the father just like the son did. And if we don't know how, he set the perfect example. He was the word made flesh. Father. Father, the time has come. There we go again. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all peoples that they might give eternal life to those you had given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory. On the earth. And how did I do that? By completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Look at verse 9. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. For they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Father. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, your function, your body, your reputation, everything that you are. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction. So scripture will be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world. Do you realize what he just said? I'm saying this before justification happened. Before they were justified, I'm going to tell you how to get the joy. How to get completion. Look, I am telling you these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, because your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Is that not a good word? Straight from the mouth of the Son himself. Now go to Psalm 28.
Psalm 28, 8. The Lord is the strength of his people. That's good. A fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Ascribe to the Lord, almighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in splendor, in the splendor of his holiness. Now, where is his holiness lie? It's in us. Is he getting his due in us? Is he getting the due? Is he getting the honor due in us of the value of the blood? Is he? This is where I'm going to wrap it up. Because this is a lot to chew on, I understand that. But remember, the question is, the question is, where are you, Adam? Where are you in Jesus? Are you justified? Praise God. Are you trying to run the glory without being sanctified? Do you love being made like him? Because this is the victory that overcome the world. Even our faith. Our faith in evidence of things unseen. When I put away my old slave tendencies, my old way of thinking, I'm a free man, not a fugitive. I've been made new. I died. I've been buried. And now I'm given glory by walking in the resurrection. Johan Dober and David Nitschman, German missionaries to the West Indies, when denied their entry into the country, chose to sell their self into slavery in order to enter, known as the Moravian missionaries, because the blood was worth it, because the gospel had to be preached, because even if your son's have limp legs, the gospel must be preached in order that God can be glorified in you and in him. Boarding the ship, they said, may the lamb that was slain have his reward of his sufferings in us. Do you know? Can you picture any circumstance that you were in that the fullness of joy in you was so pale in comparison to whatever's going on around you. You see, this is the victory and it's for you. This is the victory and it's for you. We are to fight, yes, and we are to win for his name. He is the victorious warrior and he's that in us. Amen? Let me tell you about the invitation. The invitation is to the cross. There's an invitation to get on the cross to get crucified, but it doesn't stop there. It's to get crucified and to get buried and to let God resurrect you. 
to walk in the fullness of life, to walk in complete joy. We do not give God the glory when we carry a corpse. We have to carry a cross. We do not give God the glory when we mope through Christianity because we're not taking on the newness of life. Where are we? That's the question. Remember, I believe when we know our position in Christ, this is the key to the fullness of joy. And he paid that price for you. It's for you. You receive it? Amen. Stand with me. One of the first things that God ever said to man when he made him is Genesis 2.16. Says God commanded the man, "You are free." He said, "You are free to eat of any tree in this garden." Most of us know the story. What happens? They desire something that God said you're not supposed to have. We're in the state that we're in when God finds us because of our own choices. But the choice that we also have is to take the sacrifice that He gives us to get right with Him and become back or go back to being right standing with God. 